Book Five, Canto Eleven of the Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Thomas Copeland. Canto Eleven, Prince Arthur overcomes the great Gerineo in fight, doth slay the monster and restore Belgian to her right. It often falls in course of common life that right long time is overborne of wrong through avarice or power or guile or strife that weakens her and makes her party strong but justice though her doom she do prolong yet at the last she will her own cause right as by sad belgie seems whose wrongs though long she suffered yet at length she did requite and sent redress thereof by this brave britain knight whereof when news was to that tyrant brought how that the lady belgie now had found a champion that had with his champion fought and laid his seneschal low on the ground and he himself did threaten to confound he gan to burn in rage and freeze in fear doubting sad end of principle unsound yet sith he heard but one that did appear he did himself encourage and take better cheer nathless himself he armed all in haste and forth he fared with all his many bad nestead stepped till that he came at last unto the castle which they conquered had there with huge terror to be more adrad he sternly marched before the castle gate and with bold vaunts and idle threatening bade deliver him his own ere yet too late to which they had no right nor any wrongful state the prince stayed not his answer to devise but opening straight the spar forth to him came full nobly mounted in right warlike wise and asked him if that he were the same who all that wrong unto that woeful dame so long had done and from her native land exiled her that all the world spake shame he boldly answered him he there did stand that would his doings justify with his own hand with that so furiously at him he flew as if he would have overrun him straight and with his huge great iron axe gan hew so hideously upon his armor bright as he to pieces would have chopped it quite that the bold prince was forced foot to give to his first rage and yield to his despite the whilst at him so dreadfully he drive that seemed a marble rock asunder could arrive thereto a great advantage eke he has through his three double hands thrice multiplied besides the double strength which in them was for still when fit occasion did betide he could his weapon shift from side to side from hand to hand and with such nimblest sly could wield about that ere it were espied the wicked stroke did wound his enemy behind beside before as he had list apply which uncouth use when as the prince perceived he gan to watch the wielding of his hands lest by such slight he were unwares deceived and ever ere he saw the stroke to land he would it meet and warily withstand one time when he his weapon feigned to shift as he was wont and changed from hand to hand he met him with a counterstroke so swift that quite smit off his arm as he had up did lift therewith all fraught with fury and disdain he brayed aloud for very fell despite and suddenly to venge himself again gan into one assemble all the might of all his hands and heave them up on height thinking to pay him with that one for all but the sad steel seized not where it was height upon the child but somewhat short did fall and lighting on his horse's head him quite did maul 
down straight to ground fell his astonished steed, and eke to the earth his burden with him bare. But he himself full lightly from him freed, and gan himself to fight on foot prepare. Whereof, when as the giant was aware, he walks right blithe as he had got thereby, and laughed so loud that all his teeth wide bare one might have seen and ranged disorderly, like to a rank of piles that pitched are awry. Eftsoons again his axe he wrought on high, ere he were throughly buckled to his gear, and can let drive at him so dreadful eye, that had he chanced not his shield to rear, ere that huge stroke arrived on him near, he had him surely cloven quite in twain. But that amantine shield which he did bear so well was tempered, that for all his mane it would no passage yield unto his purpose vain. Yet was the stroke so forcibly applied, that made him stagger with uncertain sway, as if he would have tottered to one side, wherewith full wrath he fiercely gan assay that curtsy with like kindness to repay, and smote at him with so importune might, that two more of his arms did fall away, like fruitless branches which the hatchet slight hath pruned from the native tree, and cropped quite. With that all mad and furious he grew, like a fell mastiff, through enraging heat, and cursed, and banned, and blasphemies forthrew against the gods, and fire to them did threat, and hell unto himself with horror great. Thenceforth he cared no more which way he struck, nor where it light, but gan to chafe, and sweat, and gnashed his teeth, and his head at him shook, and sternly him beheld with grim and ghastly look. Not feared the child his looks, nor yet his threats, but only wexed now the more aware to save himself from those his furious heat, and watch advantage how to work his care, the which good fortune to him offered fair, for as he in his rage him overstrook, he, ere he could his weapon back repair, his side all bare and naked overtook, and with his mortal steel quite through the body struck. Through all three bodies he him struck at once, that all the three at once fell on the plain. Else should he thrice have needed for the nonce them to have stricken, and thrice to have slain. So now all three one senseless lump remain, and wallowed in his own black bloody gore, and biting thirth for very death's disdain, who, with a cloud of night him covering, bore down to the house of Dole his days there to deplore which when the lady from the castle saw where she with her two sons did looking stand, she towards him in haste herself did draw to greet him the good fortune of his hand, and all the people both of town and land, which there stood gazing from the city's wall upon those warriors, greedy to understand to whether should the victory befall, now when they saw it fallen, they eke him greeted all. But Belgi with her sons prostrated low before his feet, in all that people's sight, Mongst joys mixing some tears, mongst weal some woe, him thus bespake. O most redoubted knight, the which hast me of all most wretched wight that erst was dead, restored to life again, and these weak imps replanted by thy might, what guerdon can I give thee for thy pain, but even that which thou savest, thine still to remain? He took her up for by the lily hand, and her recomforted the best he might, saying, Dear lady, deeds ought not be scanned by the author's manhood, nor the doer's might, but by their truth and by the cause's right. That same is it which fought for you this day, 
What other meed then need me to requite But that which yieldeth virtue's meed alway, That is the virtue's self, which her reward doth pay. She humbly thanked him for that wondrous grace, And further said, Ah, sir, but mote ye please, Sith ye thus far have tendered my poor case, As from my chiefest foe me to release, That your victorious arm will not yet cease, Till ye have rooted all the relics out Of that filed race, and established my peace. What is there else, said he, left of their rout? Declare it boldly, dame, and do not stand in doubt. Then wot you, sir, that in this church hereby There stands an idol of great note and name, The which this giant reared first on high, And of his own vain fancy's thought did frame, To whom for endless horror of his shame He offered up for daily sacrifice My children and my people burnt in flame, with all the tortures that he could devise, the more to grate his God with such his bloody guise. And underneath this idol there doth lie an hideous monster that doth it defend and feeds on all the carcasses that die in sacrifice unto that cursed fiend, whose ugly shape none ever saw, nor kenned that ever scaped. For of a man they say it has the voice that speeches forth doth send, even blasphemous words, which she doth bray out of her poisonous entrails fraught with dire decay. Which when the prince heard tell, his heart gan earn for great desire that monster to assay, and prayed the place of her abode to learn. Which being showed, he gan himself straightway there to address, and his bright shield display. So to the church he came where it was told the monster underneath the altar lay. There he that idol saw of massy gold most richly made, but there no monster did behold. Upon the image with his naked blade three times as in defiance there he struck, and the third time out of an hidden shade there forth issued from under the altar's smook a dreadful fiend with foul deformed look that stretched itself as it had long lines still, and her long tail and feathers strongly shook, that all the temple did with horror fill, yet him not terrified that feared nothing ill. An huge great beast it was, when it in length was stretched forth, that nigh filled all the place, and seemed to be of infinite great strength. Horrible, hideous, and of hellish race, born of the brooding of echidna base, or other like infernal fury's kind, for of a maid she had the outward face to hide the horror which did lurk behind, the better to beguile whom she so fond did find. There, too, the body of a dog she had, full of fell raven and fierce greediness, a lion's claws with power and rigor clad to rend and tear whatso she can oppress, a dragon's tail whose sting without redress full deadly wounds whereso it is impite and eagle's wings for scope and speediness that nothing may escape her reaching might whereto she ever list to make her hardy flight much like in foulness and deformity unto that monster whom the theban knight the father of that fatal progeny made kill herself for very heart's despite that he had read her riddle which no wight could ever lose but suffered deadly duel so also did this monster use like slight to many a one which came unto her school, whom she did put to death, deceived like a fool. She coming forth, when as she first beheld the armed prince with shield so blazing bright, her ready to assail, was greatly quelled, 
and much dismayed with that dismayful sight that back she would have turned for great affright but he gan her with courage fierce assay that forced her turn again in her despite to save herself lest that he did her slay and sure he had her slain had she not turned her way though when she saw that she was forced to fight she flew at him like to an hellish fiend and on his shield took hold with all her might as if that it she would in pieces rend or reave out of the hand that did it hend strongly he strove out of her greedy gripe to loose his shield and long while did contend but when he could not quite it with one stripe her lion's claws he from her feet away did wipe with that aloud she gan to bray and yell and foul blasphemous speeches forth did cast and bitter curses horrible to tell that even the temple wherein she was placed did quake to hear and nigh asunder brast though with her huge long tail she at him strook that made him stagger and stand half aghast with trembling joints as he for terror shook who not was terrified but greater courage took as when the mast of some well-timbered hulk is with the blast of some outrageous storm blown down it shakes the bottom of the bulk and makes her ribs to crack as they were torn whilst still she stands astonished and forlorn so was he stown with stroke of her huge tail but ere that it she back again had borne he with his sword it struck that without fail he jointed it and marred the swinging of her flail then gan she cry much louder than afore, that all the people there without it heard, and Belgi's self was there with stunned sore, as if the only sound thereof she feared. But then the fiend herself more fiercely reared upon her wide great wings, and strongly flew with all her body at his head and beard, that had he not foreseen with heedful view, and thrown his shield atween, she had him done to rue but as she pressed on him with heavy sway under her womb his fatal sword he thrust and for her entrails made an open way to issue forth the which once being brust like to a great mill-dam forth fiercely gushed and poured out of her infernal sink most ugly filth and poison therewith gushed that him nigh choked with the deadly stink such loathly matter were small lust to speak or think then down to ground fell that deformed mass breathing out clouds of sulphur foul and black in which a puddle of contagion was more loathed than lerna or than stygian lake that any man would nigh a whoppet make whom when he saw on ground he was full glad and straight went forth his gladness to partake with belgi who watched all this while full sad waiting what end would be of that same danger drad who when she saw so joyously come forth she gan rejoice and through triumphant cheer lauding and praising his renowned worth by all the names that honourable were then in he brought her and her showed there the present of his pains that monster's spoil and eke that idol deemed so costly dear whom he did all to pieces break and foil in filthy dirt and left so in the loathly soil then all the people which beheld that day gan shout aloud that unto heaven it rung and all the damsels of the town in ray came dancing forth and joyous carol sung so him they led 
through all their streets along crowned with girlands of immortal bays and all the vulgar did about them throng to see the man whose everlasting praise they all were bound to all posterities to raise there he with belgi did a while remain making great feast and joyous merriment until he had her settled in her reign with safe assurance and establishment then to his first emprise his mind he lent full loath to belgi and to all the rest of whom yet taking leave thenceforth he went and to his former journey him addressed on which long way he rode never day did rest but turn we now to noble artigal who having left mercilla straightway went on his first quest the which him forth did call to wheat to work irene's franchisement and eke grand torto's worthy punishment so forth he fared as his manner was with only talus waiting diligent through many perils and much way did pass till nigh unto the place at length approached he has there as he travelled by the way he met an aged wight wayfaring all alone who through his years long since aside hath set the use of arms and battle quite forgone to whom as he approached he knew anon that it was he which whilom did attend on fair irene in her affliction when first to fairy court he saw her wend unto his sovereign queen her suit for to commend whom by his name saluting thus he gan hail good sir sergius truest knight alive well tried in all thy lady's troubles than when her that tyrant did of crown deprive what new occasion doth thee hither drive while she alone is left and thou here found or is she thrall or doth she not survive to whom he thus she liveth sure and sound but by that tyrant is in wretched thraldom bound for she presuming on the pointed tide in which she promised as ye were a knight to meet her at the salvage island side and then and there for trial of her right with her unrighteous enemy to fight did thither come where she afraid of naught by guileful treason and by subtle slight surprised was and to grand porto brought who her imprisoned hath and her life often sought and now he hath to her prefixed a day by which if that no champion do appear which will her cause in battleless array against him justify and prove her clear of all those crimes that he gainst her doth rear she death shall buy those tidings sad did much abash sir artegall to hear and grieved sore that through his fault she had fallen into that tyrant's hands and usage bad then thus replied now sure and by my life too much am i to blame for that fair maid that have her drawn to all this troublous strife through promise to afford her timely aid which by default i have not yet defrayed but witness unto me ye heavens that know how clear i am from blame of this upbraid for ye into like thraldom did me throw and kept me from accomplishing the faith which i did owe but now a reed sir sergius how long space hath he her lent a champion to provide ten days quoth he he granted hath of grace for that he weaneth well before that tide none can have tidings to assist her side for all the shores which to the sea accost he day and night doth ward both far and wide that none can there arrive without an host 
so her he deems already but a damned ghost. Now turn again, Sir Artigal then said, for if I live till those ten days have end, assure yourself, Sir Knight, she shall have aid, though I this dearest life for her do spend. So backward he at one with him did wend. Then, as they rode together on their way, a rout of people they before them kenned, flocking together in confused array, as if that there were some tumultuous affray. To which, as they approached, the cause to know, they saw a knight in dangerous distress, of a rude rout him chasing to and fro, that sought with lawless power him to oppress, and bring in bondage of their brutishness. And far away, amid their rake-hell bands, they spied a lady left all succorless, crying, and holding up her wretched hands to him for aid, who long in vain their rage withstands. Yet still he strives, nay any peril spares, to rescue her from their rude violence, and like a lion wood amongst them fares, dealing his dreadful blows with large dispense, against which the pallid death finds no defense. But all in vain, their numbers are so great, that naught may boot to banish them from thence. For soon as he their outrage back doth beat, they turn afresh, and oft renew their former threat. And now they do so sharply him assay, that they his shield in pieces battered have, and force it him to throw it quite away, fro dangers dread his doubtful life to save. All be that it most safety to him gave, and much did magnify his noble name. For from the day that he thus did it leave, amongst all knights he blotted was with blame, and counted but a recreant knight, with endless shame whom when they thus distressed did behold, they drew unto his aid. But that rude rout them also gan assail, with outrage bold, and forced them, however strong and stout they were, as well approved in many a doubt, back to recule, until that iron man with his huge flail began to lay about, from whose stern presence they diffused ran like scattered chaff, the which the wind away doth fan. So when that knight from peril clear was freed, he, drawing near, began to greet them fair, and yield great thanks for their so goodly deed in saving him from dangerous despair of those which sought his life for to impair, of whom Sir Artigal can then inquire the whole occasion of his late misfare, and who he was, and what those villains were the which with mortal malice him pursued so near. To whom he thus my name is Bourbon Height, well known, and far renowned heretofore, until late mischief did upon me light, that all my former praise hath blemished sore, and that fair lady which in that uproar ye with those caitives saw, Flordelis Height, is mine own love, though she me have forlore, whether withheld from me by wrongful might, or with her own good will, I cannot read aright. But sure to me her faith she first did plight to be my love, and take me for her lord, till that a tyrant which grand Porto hight with golden gifts and many a guileful word enticeth her to him for to accord. Oh, who may not with gifts and words be tempted? Sith which, she hath me ever since abhorred, and to my foe hath guilefully consented. I me that ever guile in women was invented. And now he hath this troop of villains sent by open force to fetch her quite away, against whom myself I long in vain have been to rescue her, and daily means assay, yet rescue her thence by no means I may. For they do me with multitude oppress, 
and with unequal might to overlay, that oft I driven am to great distress, and forced to forego the tempt remediless. And why have ye, said Artegall, forborne your own good shield in dangerous dismay? That is the greatest shame and foulest scorn which unto any knight behappen may, to lose the badge that should his deeds display. To whom Sir Bourbon, blushing half for shame, that shall I unto you, quoth he, beray, lest ye therefore most happily me blame, and deem it done of will that through enforcement came. True is that I at first was dubbed a knight by a good knight, the knight of the Red Cross, who when he gave me arms in field to fight gave me a shield in which he did endoss his dear Redeemer's badge upon the boss. The same long while I bore, and therewithal fought many battles without wound or loss. Therewith Grand Porto's self I did appall, and made him oftentimes in field before me fall. But for that many did that shield envy, and cruel enemies increased more, to stint all strife and troublous enmity, that bloody scutcheon being battered sore I laid aside, and have of late forbore, hoping thereby to have my love obtained. Yet can I not my love have, now the more, for she by force is still for me detained, and with corruptful bribes is to untruth mistrained. To whom thus article, Certes, Sir Knight, hard is the case the which ye do complain, yet not so hard, for not so hard may light that it to such a strait mote you constrain, as to abandon that which doth contain your honour's style, that is, your warlike shield. All peril ought be less, and less all pain, than loss of fame in disadventurous field. Die, rather, than do aught that mote dishonour yield. Not so, quoth he, for yet, when time doth serve, my former shield I may resume again. To temporize is not from truth to swerve, ne for advantage term to entertain, when as necessity doth it constrain. Fie on such forgery, said Artegall, under one hood to shadow faces twain. Knights ought be true, and truth is one in all, of all things to dissemble foully may befall. Yet let me you of courtesy request, said Bourbon, to assist me now at need against these peasants which have me oppressed, and forced me to so infamous deed, that yet my love may from their hands be freed. Sir Artegall, albeit he erst did white his wavering mind, yet to his aid agreed, and buckling him eftsoons unto the fight, did set upon those troops with all his power and might who, flocking round about them, as a swarm of flies upon a birchen bough doth cluster, did them assault with terrible alarm, and over all the fields themselves did muster, with bills and glaives, making a dreadful luster, that forced at first those knights back to retire, as when the wrathful Boreas doth bluster, naught may abide the tempest of his ire, both man and beast do fly, and succour to inquire. But when as overblown was that brunt, those knights began afresh them to assail, and all about the fields like squirrels hunt, but chiefly Talus with his iron flail, gainst which no flight nor rescue mote avail, made cruel havoc of the baser crew, and chased them both over hill and dale. The rascal many soon they overthrew, but the two knights themselves their captains did subdue. At last they came whereas that lady bode, 
whom now her keepers had forsaken quite to save themselves and scattered were abroad her half dismayed they found in doubtful plight as neither glad nor sorry for their sight yet wondrous fair she was and richly clad in royal robes and many jewels dight but that those villains through their usage bad them foully rent and shamefully defaced had but bourbon straight dismounting from his steed unto her ran with greedy great desire and catching her fast by her ragged weed would have embraced her with heart entire but she back starting with disdainful ire bade him avaunt ne would unto his lore allured be for prayer ne for mead whom when those knights so froward and forlore beheld they her rebuked and upbraided sore said artegall what foul disgrace is this to so fair lady as ye seem in sight to blot your beauty that unblemished is with so foul blame as breach of faith once plight or change of love for any world's delight is aught on earth so precious or dear as praise and honor or is aught so bright and beautiful as glory's beams appear whose goodly light then phoebus lamp doth shine more clear why then will ye fond dame attempted be unto a stranger's love so lightly placed for gifts of gold or any worldly glee to leave the love that ye before embraced and let your fame with falsehood be defaced fie on the pelf for which good name is sold and honour with indignity debased dearer is love than life and fame than gold but dearer than them both your faith once plighted hold much was the lady in her gentle mind abashed at his rebuke that bit her near ne ought to answer thereunto did find but hanging down her head with heavy cheer stood long amazed as she amated were which bourbon seeing her again assayed and clasping twixt his arms her up did rear upon his steed while she no whit gainsaid so bore her quite away nor well nor ill paid nathless the iron man did still pursue that rascal many with unpitied spoil ne ceased not till all their scattered crew into the sea he drove quite from that soil the which they troubled had with great turmoil but Artegall, seeing his cruel deed commanded him from slaughter to recoil and to his voyage gan again proceed for that the term approaching fast required speed End of Canto 11 Recording by Thomas Copeland